Huawei's nice. World of Fun Funeral Fireworks! Hey friends and family, it's me, your Uncle Waka Wally, and I'm sorry for your loss, but you know what I'm not sorry for? The loss of huge prices on all of our affordable on sale fireworks to explode that bereavement process into the sky and some million sparkling pieces of excitement. You name it, we got it. Looking for that perfect Thunder Nighthawk spray missile that says, I'm sorry, Dad. I'm so sorry. Maybe you still haven't found that M8000 Roman Nightlighter that exclaims, My son! My son! The right way you need it to. Or heck, maybe you just like the idea of reasonably priced fireworks that pair perfectly with any corpse. Maybe it's not even a corpse you know well. Don't worry, we don't judge. Not like those folks working over at the Exploding Corpse Celebration Hut. If you want a deal that's worth dying for, and celebrating the death when it expires fireworks, then you come to me, Uncle Wack Wally, and get yourself b -b 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 blasted away! You are listening to Brian Weekly. KJZZ, this is the New Street Journal Week in Review. I'm Kathy Fisher. And I'm Zach Beauvais. And here are this week's top stories. New York City Police Chief and former Bel Air, California judge, Philip Banks, announced the NYPD will no longer send rookies into high crime areas. The practice is being replaced by a new policy to send only crusty old veterans who have one day left until retirement when they'll move with their wives to a little place on the shore Oh, life will be good. Just have to get through one last routine patrol. Tensions have been running high between the U.S. and Russia recently due to the situation in Ukraine and, more importantly, America's relatively weak performance in the Sochi Winter Olympics. President Obama reportedly had received, quote, one too many calls from Russian President Vladimir Putin over the past few weeks, resulting in what White House insiders have referred to as a classic Obama meltdown on Thursday. Our notoriously mercurial commander-in-chief was heard to shout, Back off, Putin, by several bystanders outside the Oval Office. We can only hope that Mr. Obama can rein in his storied temper long enough to resolve this situation peacefully. This week, the world lost famed parapsychologist and filmmaker Harold Ramis. Ramis first rose to prominence in the early 80s. After being fired from his research fellowship at Columbia University, Ramis took several odd jobs, including stints organizing caddies at Bushwood Country Club and managing counselors at Camp North Star before joining the Army. For his military service, Private Ramis received the Distinguished Service Cross after nearly starting a war in what was formerly Czechoslovakia. Sometime in the early 90s, Mr. Ramis experienced a major awakening, as if aged many years in a single day. Soon after, he wrote the screenplay for Groundhog's Day, or as it was originally titled, complete work of fiction that in no way occurred to me a few years ago and was a living hell until I batted Andy McDowell. Harold Ramis is now busting that big ghost up in the sky. He was 69 years old. A nine million year old whale found dead below a deserted stretch of Chilean highway may have been killed by toxic algae. Authorities first ruled the cause of death as old age, but evidence found at the whale's home suggests foul play may have occurred. In a statement released by Chilean Sea Police, the whale's toxicological analysis returned back positive for several controlled substances, including crystal meth and toxic algae. Toxic algae is widely used by Chilean drug dealers as an additive to kill off their clientele. 
The whale is survived by four million children. Men, your sperm clock is ticking. Yes, there's a clock powered by sperm somewhere in your house. Can't you hear it? Can't you hear it ticking? Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock, sperm clock, sperm. Stoned jokes. Stoned jokes. Hey, 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 hey. What? So why do sheep make out a last wool and testament? I don't know, dude. So the government doesn't steal all their wool when they die. Stoned jokes. This is Walt Worthington bringing you another installment of Fun with Phrases, where we delve into the fascinating history of the English language. We've got no time to waste as we're coming in hot, coming in hot, with our listener question of the day. This one comes to us from Sarah in Maine. Dear Walt, lately I've been watching a lot of British television. I can't understand a word anyone says, but I like the way the music swells and the camera spins around, and there's something really quaint about the way they all seem to think their country matters. Well put, Sarah. What I've noticed on these shows is that when somebody thinks another character is pulling their leg or joshing around, they inquire if they're taking the piss. I'd like to know where this peculiar Britishism originates. Great question, Sarah, and I think the answer will surprise you. Taking the piss, as it turns out, doesn't find its origins in the United Kingdom at all, but traces back to our very own Benjamin Franklin. In addition to being a statesman, philanderer, Satanist, and amateur eroticist, Franklin was also quite the prankster. Once he burned down Thomas Jefferson's house because he was drunk. Most of Franklin's practical jokes, however, were based around urine, generally his own. These pranks were incredibly elaborate and took far more urine than could be stored in the ordinary human bladder. Filling Thomas Jefferson's bathtub with piss or pouring pee off of Thomas Jefferson's awnings so as to convince him that he was experiencing a now-legendary urine storm wasn't a simple task. As a result, Franklin kept a number of sealed tanks in the basement of his estate for just such occasions. When his servants would go to empty Franklin's chamber pot in the morning, the founding father would inform them that he would be tanking the piss, an indication that they should begin pouring his urine into the basement tanks, as a devious prank would soon be afoot. People who heard the expression mentioned among the staff of the Franklin estate were contextually in the dark when it came to the syphilis-ridden statesman's habit, and twisted the phrase into what is currently used today. As a fascinating aside, Benjamin Franklin's most enduring urine gag was without a doubt committed on July 4, 1776. While some historians have disputed the claim, citing a complete lack of evidence, my own research strongly suggests that Franklin did in fact sign the Declaration of Independence using his own liquid discharge as ink. A fitting final flourish for America's slap in the face to King Charles. Well, this has been Walt Worthington bringing you fun with phrases. Sponsored by Trains, reminding you that, hey guys, we still exist. Speaking of which, I myself would like to remind all of you listeners out there that Fred Frasington died last fall under mysterious circumstances, and I'd appreciate it if you stop addressing your mail to him. That's it for this week's show. Remember, words are your friends. Take them to the zoo. Walt Worthington, signing off. This episode of Brian Weekly was written and performed by Brandon Kirkman, Zach Bove, Kathy Fisher, Michael Arthur, Chris Schock, and Peter Eldred. Music by Michael Arthur. Hi, this is Kathy Fisher, one of the creators of Brian Weekly. Did you know that a podcast costs $9,000 to make and distribute? 
It's true. We don't get paid to make brine, and we want to help keep it free for all our listeners, but we can't do it without your help. If each of our subscribers paid just $9,000, no more than you would spend on a gently used 2004 Nissan Maxima, it would keep Brian going for almost three weeks. So please donate and help keep Brian free. Thanks.